Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And Elijah, where the heck are you, bud? Elijah, what, 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 what the heck? Elijah, I have searched every road and every river, and I came to the very last one just just last night, and I didn't even see you there. So, oh, that's because uh, Elijah's not in town with y'all. He's actually in town with me. Crazy, and I tell you what, I couldn't see him. Well, that's because uh, I live three and a half hours All away right. from you. That that is fair. That is very and, uh, accurate. That, w- that would be a long way to see. Wow! Thanks. Really set me up as a straw man, aren't you, there, Ben? I am. What is what? What is this introduction? Oh, look! There's a fourth person here. Who are you? What are you? Hello. I'm Michael. What are you doing here? (laughs) I've been lurking this whole time. (laughs) Hey, Mike. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. His name is Michael. His last name's Ruiz, and he's on the podcast. Because Elijah wouldn't show up. He I mean, regardless, we were planning to have Mike on this week, but I digress. What are we watch this week, guys? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, y'all, this week we watched the 2009 um film, uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Um, and uh, yeah, it came out in 2009, made for a budget of $100 million. Uh, grossed 100.1 million dollars just just snuck by there just by that much um yeah this uh this movie uh holds a 6.7 out of 10 on imdb a 73 percent on rotten tomatoes a four and a four out of five on common sense media i've ranted about them before and won't do so here um 76 percent on google uh yeah directed by spike jones starring spike jones uh max records james gandolfini katherine keener katherine o'hara forrest whitaker mark ruffalo for one line chris cooper steve mazakis uh, lots of other people and the one i've been waiting to talk about the golden boy we have not talked about this man ah. in a long time and I I have eagerly awaited the opportunity. He's been waiting this day. We can't confirm. It's our. It's the man. It's the myth. It's the legend. It's Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Paul the man. Paul the mano Dano. I was was about to say it. If you didn't, you were not about to drop that. (sighs) I think it should have been though. Paul Dano the mano. That breath. Why did we have to have that? Good workshop. That was a sigh. All right. Because of Paul the Mano Dano. You yeah, could just go with the Mano. I've gotten the exasperated sigh out of the Paul Dano the Mano. Mm. <laughs> I think it's clever. I just got a furrow brow mm. right there, so we're good. Uh, gentlemen, um, what a, do, do you have any experiences with this movie? Any, any thoughts, feelings, concerns? Well, uh, I had never seen this movie before tonight. However... I grew up with this book, Where the Wild Things Are. It's one of my favorites uh, from when I was a wee lad. I uh, I feel I should probably also mention that uh, because this uh, this movie is based off of the uh, crap. I gotta find the actual book. Um, hold on, uh, it's based off of the nineteen sixty three uh, children's book written by Maurice Sendak. Um, yeah, if, if you went to public school, you saw at least a poster of this book's cover page. Probably. Probably. Sorry, I cut you off, Ben. Um, did you cut me off? I don't know. Anybody else got thoughts on this movie or, uh, experiences with this movie? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I'll go. Um, basically yeah. this if i remember correctly this movie came out in 2009 mm-hmm. or 10 nine? nine okay and i was what 13 ish at the time something around there and i was just starting to get into like larger movies like i think inception hadn't come out but it was about to come out and that was like on my radar and i was like trying out not just pixar films and disney channel original movies so 
I I saw the trailer for this and I was like, this looks like a good entry point. And I saw it and it, it left a very specific and unique impact on me, which we'll talk about later. But I saw it then. I've seen it a couple of times since then. Um, so I'm pretty familiar with it. Of course, I read the book when I was a kid. I too had the Scholastic Book Fair and my mother was one of the few that wouldn't give me money. So I just stood in the corner and was real big sad about it. But I went home and read the book. <laughs> so you, okay. So you basically saw this movie and you were like, this is what is going to kickstart my interest in these types of movies. Well, 20, this is 2009, but 2012, 2010, excuse me, was a formative year for me with movies, especially mm-hmm. with Inception being the big one. So this was around the time when, when child Michael was going to develop into not ch- proto-human <laughs> adult film Michael student Michael yes who would eventually <clears throat> meld into um film the guy who just says Disu any chance he gets so oh yeah yeah Disu. well tell you I um I didn't read this book when I was a kid I uh I just didn't get around to it I read Hank, uh, Hank the Cow Dog. That's what I read when I was a young young lad. Um, so I saw it like everyone else did, posters and all, but I just didn't read it. And then when the movie came out, I uh, didn't watch it. I I, I kind of wanted to. I, I remember wanting to watch it. Um, and then not long after that, Michael and I um, met maybe before then, I guess. I don't remember. Somewhere around that time, like exactly around that time. Um, yeah. And I heard a lot about the movie from him. Uh, enough, actually. I heard enough about the movie. Um, <laughs> and I just never watched it. So, but here we are. I watched it now. And that's that. So, um, so, I, so I did read this book um, and I have read it probably more times than I can actually remember. Um, uh, shout out to having a mom who's a teacher. Um, but uh, but as far as watching this movie, uh, so Mike, how old did you say you were? Uh, I saw this when it came out in theaters, so I was like 13, I think. Okay. Okay. So I was about nine. Um, and, uh, and I did not see it when it came out in theaters. However... I bought a copy of this movie right as our local rental store was closing down. Um, and that's how I got a copy of this movie. Um, and I watched it and I was very much so like, what? I, I don't get it. Um, and then, uh, See, and then 13 years passed and we came to today. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't I couldn't tell you if I would have had the same reaction when I was a kid. But I can tell you today as I watched it, I I think it's pretty clear what it is, like what we're trying to get at here. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Yeah. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. And as a kid, I don't know if I would have. I don't think I watched movies like this when I was a kid. Um on the surface, I guess it seems like it could be a kid's movie, but I would argue that it's not. I mean, I'm looking at the IMDb trivia right now, and from what I can tell, Spike Jones didn't intend it to be a children's movie. Uh, apparently, there is um, one quote that he gave um, where he indicated that his goal was to, quote, make a movie about childhood rather than to create a, ch- a children's movie. And, and I, think, I, I think that's a lot more sure. accurate. Yeah. I think he definitely succeeded at that point. How many parents... I- I think the the problem that this movie fell into was that um, was that a lot of parents saw it and they were like, "Oh, my kids are gonna like this movie because I like the book and they probably like the book, so mm-hmm. I'll go and show it to my kids." Right. And then they got in there and they're like, "Oh, what?" Right? Yeah. How many how many parents do you think are gonna, you know, listen to? spike's old uh interview thing or whatever you know and say oh yeah okay not for kids sure no I mean, you're gonna look at these big lot, big big but... stuffed animal boys and say that's that's what i that's for kids that's for my my young i mom. mean apparently warner brothers wasn't really too happy about this either 
because oh, uh original like if we want to get into the jones cut um it was much less family friendly <laughs> and then warner brothers stepped in and was like uh spike <clears throat> release the jones cut <laughs> release the jones cut well <laughs> um, yeah uh wb was just like hey spike uh, we need you to tone it down a little bit so they did. I would and be curious about what was there. So spiky. So given that, given that reasoning, I have to assume that all of our favorite line, uh, the line that is all of our, um, all of us, our favorite line. Um, Mike I, does a better impression of it than consent. I do. Mike does a better impression of it than I do. I think he's referring to Carol. That was my favorite arm. At yeah. which... Uh, at which point, um, Douglas's it's Douglas, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Douglas's arm gets ripped off. So I have to assume that in the Jones cut, um, that was probably followed up by blood and gore. Um, I choose to believe that. I choose I to believe what, that. And more brothers came back, and they were like, "Sand." Sorry, sorry, Mike. You're good. You're good. What, what's interesting to me is I think this is a good example of what it means to make a movie not, not for children mm-hmm. that is not like conceptually and traditionally not for children. Like it's not rated R. I'm pretty sure this is PG. Yep. Like it, just because something is not graphic, vulgar, obscene, or violent does not make it not a kid's movie. This is a really good example of like, like kids can watch it and they won't run off and do bad things they are just not going to understand it. This is a movie for adults. Yeah. And about I really appreciate childhood. that about this movie. It's, yeah, it, it's a movie for adults about childhood to me. And what's really cool to me about this movie is it's kind of an anomaly. And a lot of the reason I love this movie so much is just because it is on and of to itself. It is its own thing. This exists kind of singular to me. I don't know. There might be other movies like this, but this is a rare instance where aside from arm ripping which is done as as unviolently as arm ripping can be possibly done uh-huh. <laughs> um this is a very like unique movie i don't know mm-hmm. i like it <laughs> no i mean it's definitely that um so coming in i i didn't really know what to expect um i i definitely expected it to be more of a kids movie than we got um and I would say for anyone to try to figure out if they want to watch this, it is important to understand that unlike a lot of children's books that get adapted into movies, this movie does not necessarily have the same target audience as the book. Because like you see a lot of stuff, whether it be uh, like Winnie the Pooh, uh, Paddington Bear, Dr. Seuss stuff, like those books get adapted into movies and like you know they're still made for kids whereas this Mm -hmm. takes that same story and digs into it a lot Mm -hmm. and i i think that gets back at what we were talking about earlier with the fact that you know spike jones with this because when you look at the book the book is mostly i think i think it's fairly acceptable to say that the book is about, you know, the the importance of imagination, you know, letting your mm-hmm. imagination run free, things of that nature, which is a very appealing story for kids. But I think if you look at it from, from an adult's perspective, I think what you come out of it uh, with is less of a knowledge of the importance of imagination and more of an appreciation for the innocence of childhood and innocence isn't the word that i wish i that i so i, that I would I say more like word i've got how a child comes to understand living their life if that makes sense yeah yeah because yeah. because you well, look at go ahead tristan go ahead i was just gonna say speaking of what is the book about would anyone like to give us what the movie, ha- what happens in the movie? Go over <laughs> yeah. like a general little summary for everyone. Uh, so we've got this kid, Max. Um, he appears to be cool. being raised in a single parent home. Uh, it's never explicitly said what happens to the dad, but I, I mean, his assume... mom's played by 
his mom's played by Catherine Keener. We can assume that she killed him. <laughs> oh, well, I, I was going to say he is alive. He is. There's one very brief line the okay. sister gives at the beginning of the movie that says, "We're supposed to go see Dad this weekend." Okay, gotcha. See, I well, like, you completely assumed that, that he was dead. You can also assume <laughs> that Catherine Keener killed him. Sure, they, they're divorced. totally fine. Regardless, um, so you've got Max and his sister being raised in a one-parent household. Uh, the mom is struggling off-screen. Um, uh, but yeah, you've got Max and his sister uh, being raised in this one-parent household. Uh, the mom is struggling a lot. Um, looks like she's having a whole lot of work issues, and uh, Max is acting out a lot and going through a whole lot of, of stuff himself. Um, he seems to be struggling too, um, trying to figure out. I feel like just kind of like how to live life. Um, mm. And one particular night or day, um, everything kind of comes to a head. Um, he gets into a snowball fight with his sister Claire and their friends and the igloo that he had built kind of comes crashing down and it really upsets him uh, later that night. Uh, I'm getting there, Tristan. Quit waving me along. Um, what happens next? I'm getting there, Tristan. But yeah, uh, everything kind of comes to a head that night. Um, he starts acting out again, puts on the uh, famous costume that he has from the book and ends up getting into a fight with his mom. And Mark Ruffalo has his one line and he runs off uh, and somehow ends up in the world where the wild things are, uh, where he is named their king for reasons. Uh, through all that, they re realized that um essentially all the ways that um max has been acting uh some people see it as each of the wild things personifies one element of that whether it be selfishness uh other emotions here i think we're going to talk about that a little bit later but eventually max realizes that the way that he had been living his life is not really something that is uh sustainable to do because if he keeps doing that people are going to get hurt any kind of comes to realize uh, what he's been doing is wrong and eventually goes back to be with his mom. Oh, and uh, someone you, gets their arm ripped off. <laughs> that was Pretty my cool. favorite arm. Yep, important stuff. Um, cool. Yeah, and I think, I think when you look at it as a whole, you know, if you're looking for a kid's movie and you hear that plot, you're like, what? What are we doing here? Yeah. But... But, and I think, um, I think one of the ways that this movie really does succeed in that, in that being a good adaptation of a children's book or a children's property, um, is that it doesn't necessarily try to take the place of the book mm -hmm. because the book is solely for children. The book is meant and intended for children. What I think that Spike Jones accomplishes with the movie is that he basically gives an addendum to it. It's like, hey, after you've read this book, after you've lived your life, after you've grown up, come back and see this movie and then tell me. And then you'll be able to hopefully process better what you were going through as a child, what it was like to grow mm. up and uh, get out of that immature uh get out of that phase where like you know like like you didn't really give a care you you had no care in the world mm -hmm. and that phase where you're trying to transition from like that to maturity or attempting to get into maturity which while mm -hmm. i appreciate spike jones doing that i it's hard to market that <laughs> like that's why this is oh, do well borderline right? impossible because you're taking that. this movie with the name of the book that you based it off of that is completely different. And I mean, people aren't going to dig in and be like, oh, this movie's not for kids. It's actually just a, about childhood. Oh, I, well, that's completely different. So, I mean... I'll, I'll come back and watch this when I'm 20. Right. But like, yeah. I mean, this is just like, oh, where the wild things are. I love that book growing up. I gotta take my kids to go see that. Like... And 
I mean, yeah, yeah, y'all are right. That's why this movie didn't do well. And imagine I, the disappointment. <laughs> I think what's you what's know something. Mm-hmm. It, it just reminded me of going to see Solo. I think I saw it with you, Mike. And <laughs> at the very end of Solo, where we see Darth Maul come on, and Mikey was like, "I don't, oh, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know about that." And I was like, oh, it's great. It's cool because like everyone who's watched the Clone Wars knows that Darth Maul is in it and like he's there and around. But if you've never seen another Star Wars uh, show or anything else, movies, you're like, didn't that guy die? It it's makes it's think very... of expectations, you know, if you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's very um, briefly on that point. What What was funny about that is we saw Solo, we left the theater, and I was arguing with Tristan about how Darth Maul shouldn't have been in it because people don't understand what the heck happened to him. And we walked past someone going, wait, so that was Darth Maul. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, on, on, the point. On, on the point of the movie, though, I think something that's worth mentioning is that, yes, this is a film about Max, but I think with the, the important lens, or at least the lens that I take from it, is it's about processing emotion and specifically anger. And that's something it shares with its book. I went back and actually read the book earlier today. Hey, it's a quick read. It, it took me about four minutes. But, um, <laughs> but both the book and the, and the movie uh, try to tackle this idea of processing anger. And that's something that actually I looked up. The book had this big issue with to the point where it, um, it was banned for a little bit. Because it was just like, you can't talk about anger, which is funny. You read it and you're like, this was banned. But I digress. Essentially, what I think is really cool about the movie is it, it doesn't criticize or condone Max's behavior in the beginning. It just shows him acting out. And then it spends the rest of the movie through his, his personified imagination, him just trying to process emotions because otherwise he doesn't know how to process these emotions. He's just going to scream and he's just going to bite people because he doesn't have an outlet. And the things that are happening to him are complicated. He doesn't know how to deal with a single parent household, how he maybe feels about his father, how he feels about his, his sister, um, how he feels about a lot of different things. And that just seems to be the method through which he is able to process, which I think is my favorite aspect of the film is it's it's therapy max is giving himself therapy without realizing he's giving himself therapy yeah and uh i like how they don't actually explain like where the wild things are like he just runs away yeah. and somehow gets there and like normally I, I would i would probably fault a movie for that but like i i feel like it works like, i think it's, it, it's not something clear. that i need to know yeah, I, I think it's fairly clear he's entering a, a deep imaginative state, mm-hmm. imaginative state. But yeah, they don't really draw a hard line. It just, he goes off. <laughs> I'd say it's not like with uh, Swiss Army Man where like you see the different areas that uh, Paul Dano's character like uh, stays at throughout the film. And it's all like relatively close together. Like, Yeah, well, it it's clear that he um it's clear that he leaves like Mm -hmm. because his mom you know is worried about him when he comes back and his outfit's dirty i think when he comes back too so maybe he wanders around the wilderness i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and we just you know see like he's seeing these creatures and stuff um in these different locations but really he's just like out and about and like the urban jungle or the woods or something you know hear me out maybe he stumbled across a corpse maybe that corpse had magical powers like it could fart and it could uh it, oh. could, it could talk and it could fly oh. and maybe maybe he showed up randomly at um mary elizabeth winstead's house and maybe supposedly he passed the corpse off as his own body and then maybe just maybe he returned to see his mom after that maybe that happened you know i i think 
I I think it's supported that uh, Swiss Army Man could be a sequel to Where the Wild Things Are. I think um, it is too. I think it could be too. Um, I I would like to have that head cannon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I accepted in my head. Well, now that we have that out of the way. Yes. <laughs> and Paul Dano is in this, so. Yes, Paul the Golden well, Boy Dano. Say I love you. <laughs> um, speaking of Paul Dano, how do y'all feel about the cast in this? I love They're them, really personally. It's really good. It's oh. really good. I um, I <clears throat> thought that John C. Riley was in this. He wasn't. But that's fine. It's totally fine. It's whatever. I don't need John C. Riley to be in a movie for me to fall in love with it. Because I had Paul Dano in it, and I could be less in love with it, but still in love with it. I will say, I do take a slight issue with Mark Ruffalo being in this and saying (laughs) precisely one line that was the most uninspired thing I've ever heard. Who did you think he played? Um, I thought he was Carol. I thought he was Carol. Mm. Um, also, was it? it's whatever. Also, Ben, love what? you to death, buddy. Like, love you to death. I do not get why that's an issue for you. I do not it's understand just like, why, why are you going to bring in a high-profile actor like that and then have him say one line? But Ben, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're right, but... I'm just trying to understand the thought process of bringing in a high-profile actor to have him say what amounts to a cameo appearance. Let Mark live his life, Ben. That's all I got to say. Let the man live his life. If he wants to phone it in for five minutes on a set, he's welcome to. And he didn't even phone it in. He was sitting there having wine with Catherine King. He was minding his own business. Exactly. That Money's line sounded real uninspired. Ben, what is the deal? Why do you have to go out? <laughs> I just don't just a random cameo roll. He's okay. just chilling. He's just he's sitting on the couch. He's I'm going just on trying a to understand. Ben, 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 he's ruffling. He's, he's rolling. I'm he's just ruffling. Understand? Okay. I'm just trying to understand. He is what? Mark. Let the good times ruffle. Thank you. He's too busy being a scale for a sausage-related YouTube channel. He doesn't have time for this. Okay. This was before the Marvels and the Kevin Feige's. He he didn't have anything to spoil. He was like, I need to sit on a couch with Catherine Keener, not die, and drink loads of red wine. For reference, this was uh, after he had uh, appeared in 2007's Zodiac. Uh, so, I mean, Mark Ruffalo was, was established at this point. I just think oh, it's weird. Yes, That's all. Yes. Okay. Because Sorry okay. for child, having every a thought. single Every single child who came to see this movie and then be disappointed by this movie came in. They were like, Mommy, Mommy, look, it's the guy from Zodiac, Mark Ruffalo. Do you think his career is going to take off in the next three or four years, possibly due to Kevin Feige's hiring him to play the Incredible Hulk slash Bruce Banner in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> I agree, mommy. By the way, this movie sucks. Mommy, Mark Ruffalo is underutilized. He needs to do more. (laughs) 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 Mommy, why is Mark Ruffalo seasoned veteran actor Mark Ruffalo, why is he only saying one line and drinking red wine with Catherine Keener? Mark Ruffalo needs to renegotiate his union have? contract. I don't know. Well, what do y'all think about the rest of the cast? <laughs> I'll get I off like box. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's perfect. That's great. A Mommy, lot of the, we, can, we can get into the rest of the the rest of the cast in a second. I want to highlight James Gandolfini, the late great James Gandolfini, because his his acting as Carol, the main um where the wild things are character like the, the main monster yeah yeah it's just it's, it's, it's perfect what a lad top notch it's so good it's just <laughs> and all these creatures are like amalgamations of what max thinks but at the same time they all have their own personalities like 
because like like Max has created them, of course. So he's kind of imbued them with different aspects of himself, but it's not cut and dry. Like like the characters still have their own unique flair to them because he's still right. trying to make a character. He's not sitting there going, and then the Kawa will represent me as an angry man. It's not a thing. So <laughs> the um, Carol specifically I love because Carol is the one that's most like him. Carol is quick to anger. Carol is not entirely sure how to process his emotions. He's he has the same fears that Max has. Um, that's that's evidence when they're talking about the sun specifically. Yeah, that's a good scene. And that's honestly like my favorite scene I think in the whole movie because and and it ties into the fact that this is a movie about childhood. Kids are just scared of random things that adults say offhandedly, like that teacher who just man really went off on a tangent yeah, about the end of humanity. He really did. But that's. <laughs> But that stuff scares kids. Kids don't have concepts. Like they don't understand mortality. They don't understand, you know, most things. Like you tell a kid like about the concept of like heaven and hell, they're gonna freak out. So like you tell a kid the sun's gonna die. Uh, he was trying to process that. So like I think a lot of people pointed to that scene. At least I remember when it came out as like an example of like what the heck is this movie? But I'm like, it's so poignant because kids will be like hey, throw me the ball. Also, I heard the sun's going to die. Isn't that crazy? About the time this movie came out is around the time that my uh, my home church started their three-year three-year study of the book of Revelations, mm. at which point for how many years? Three years we legit just talked about like the tribulation and the end times as you do for a small child who is uh, who uh like from the ages eight to eleven um there were a handful of nights i just slept on my floor i was like what the f- what 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 it's a lot and kids got a process so he mm-hmm. he does and he's lonely he has no one to talk to so he has to make people and be like what's going on i will also say okay so talking about talking about max's actor um who his i think his max. name is also max uh yeah max records um okay so not gonna lie at the beginning of the movie i kind of hated him um i just found him to be really annoying i found it the name I had given him was Wonderbread. Uh, was Wonderbread Chandler Riggs, um, which <laughs> doesn't actually work for this because uh, Walking Dead and therefore Chandler Riggs didn't become a thing until a year after this. But that's beside the point. Um, this is the point: is that uh, is that as the movie went on, I definitely enjoyed his performance even more. But I think that's kind of the point. I, I mean, see, I I thought anyway. at the beginning he acted the part really well. I think he was. I think he's very not consistent. be likable. He is consistent. Yeah, he's he's just kind of a weird kid. Like most I of just found him annoying. He, I mean, but I the thing the I point. like that he's yeah he's, he's not good or bad. He's just a kid. How, how many kids have you found that are not annoying? <laughs> that's a fair point. Actually, that's a fair point. I'll give and, you that. And not like detrimentally annoying. They're yeah. like they're just kids. Like you know, everyone's He's a learning how to when process his emotions. That that's a that's a good point. I'll give you that. I'll I'll concede that point. Huh. And I especially, I, I think Max Rickards does Russell an incredible point. job. And he's especially quirky with you know his costume he wears and mm-hmm. whatnot. So yeah, I'll I'll concede that point. I'll concede <laughs> that. But the other the other actors, um, Paul Dano plays a goat that just keeps getting hurt and abused and it's just I, sad i legit heard his he said his first line i had not looked at the cast list or anything and like the hairs on the back of my head stood up i was like dana was near <laughs> dana was near dana um, is near no i Paul Dano has has moved into that tier of actors who like if they're in it, even if their performance isn't that good, even if they don't bring anything to the role or to the movie, like my enjoyment of the film goes up. So you know he's in the he's in the same league as like uh, as like uh, Colin Firth. What's it? Colin Firth, Stellan Scar- Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, the Tooch. 
Um, not Tim Curry, because Tim Curry is in a league of his own, but Sam Rockwell. There are these actors, and then there's the Tim Curry tier, which has one, and then one actor in it. Look, there are there are the Tooches. There are the Tooches. Good grief. Everyone who's on the same level as the Tooch. And then there is the Curry. Uh, so the animation. <laughs> Just uh hard pivot how does that I'll, work I'll, I'll, I'll mute myself i'll mute myself for the remainder <laughs> of the episode how does animation work <laughs> he actually muted himself that's that's great um okay uh, I did so that basically the <laughs> the um the, something i just wanted to talk about briefly um is just the fact that they use real puppets real mm-hmm. puppets real people in suits it makes such a difference and this movie has not aged at all it's incredible this movie's like 12 years old and it's just it's great like yeah it looks amazing it's the, yeah. the faces are animated but then the puppets are up there and the kids touching fur and it, it, it just makes a big difference i will say the one thing that i didn't like was them jumping i love that what do you see mean? i thought it, it it took me out of it a little bit it just seemed very unnatural and wait weird. hold on you mean giant monsters jumping took you out of it a little bit i mean like giant giant scary monsters are all yes Tristan. And yes weird? yes huh. because okay. uh, <laughs> apparently i'm not allowed to have opinions tonight i what all i did was <laughs> challenge it slightly i mean it I just it is it looked, it's a choice. I'll I'll say it's a choice because it's it was obviously choice just and wires. it was awkward and yeah. I like it. Oh yeah, I get why you didn't. It's awkward, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, I just didn't like it. Okay. Thought it was weird. <laughs> took me out of it. I wonder what it took you out of. <laughs> Which part did it remove you from? The immersion. <laughs> oh, okay. The immersion, right? yeah anyway uh but no i I think the character design is incredible Uh, i mean like mike was saying it hasn't really aged and uh the design of the creatures themselves i mean it looks exactly like it did in the book yeah uh the mouth like that they didn't change that yeah i you know i i thought they were cg entirely i didn't know that they were puppets until mike said it um and the the mouths sometimes kind of looked a little off, but um, to me anyway, I, I noticed they didn't always match. But they are also giant monsters, so I guess you can't really um, predict uh, the way that a giant mouth moves. I mm-hmm. don't know. So bit of a challenge. Think- it's like the aliens in Star Wars. It's like we'll give them a pass because I don't know how that anatomy works. <laughs> I think that I don't speak that- alien language. I think though that the um, the dedication uh, and the commitment to make the the costumes and the monsters look as much like the book as possible um, served as both a benefit and a detriment to this movie um, because benefit it got a lot more people to probably give this movie the time of day than probably were willing to do it because they were like oh my gosh they look exactly like the book and then they came in they were like oh my gosh not what i was expecting but Mm -hmm. um they 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 look exactly like the book yeah i mean i guess i liked it oh no i i think it's great i think it's great well something else have we talked about the music yet i don't think not yet hmm well, well I how, about, how about those tunes, folks? They're good. It's excellent dark folk music throughout. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's I, I remember credit started the role, and uh, Ben stopped it, and I was like, "Man, I want to hear that song." Um, you know, I'm, no, you're, you're I'm good. not saying I, this is entirely because of Paul Dano, but like every single Paul Dano movie uh, that I've seen, the music is always top notch. I feel like he has a in his contract, like. Uh, I will appear in this project if and only if the soundtrack is a banger. So you really like the music in There Will Be Blood, is that right? I mean, 
there are so so few things that I like in There Will Be Blood, Tristan. It has to be Paul Dano and the music. Is I that guess. is that your okay? <laughs> okay. All right. That's I not my that. genuine that's not my genuine opinion of that, but you did kind of catch me off guard. So that's what I'm going with. Well, you know it. That's what I that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I know. I know. It it just sets the mood so well. And like anytime mm-hmm. someone's freaking out, it happens twice in the movie. Um, once with Max and then once at the end with Carol when a character goes on a total meltdown there's a specific like uh, guitar sound that kicks in and it opens with like this big scream and it's like it's terrifying at times this movie is not afraid to be scary like they're big goofy monsters but when Carol's just like I'll eat you up and like everything's like blasting with the music it's like I'm terrified And I think Max is too. And they just do a really good job of, of painting that. And like, yeah, especially. It, it does. It paints that well. And I, I didn't mean to pick on Ben earlier, but when he talked about mm-hmm. immersion, um, I, I wanted to make a point about it is that I, you know, I, a lot of times I have trouble feeling like I'm really, locked into a movie um if i don't know i'm trying to figure out where i'm going with this <laughs> as i'm saying it, it, it it's it, you know the character design was great but i i didn't find myself thinking like that these were um i didn't find myself really caring deeply a lot about these the creatures i cared about max and what he was feeling but the creatures themselves, um, it was hard for me to get past the way they looked, I guess. So I guess I'm saying that. Comparing the, the monsters to the feelings, I guess maybe it was something with the design. I'm not really sure. Um, but that was something that was hard for me to get past. And uh, perhaps maybe others too when they saw the movie. I mean, I, I felt like the character design was pretty endearing. I think they did a really good job of making a child's version of a scary monster, which is funny. You see this in the book, too. They're just amalgamations of other creatures. Like, their top halves and bottom halves are completely different every time. Because he's just like, what's scary? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, That's a good the, point. It, like, like, the bull character. He's a bull, and he has human feet. Because the kid's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I found them endearing because you could see Max in them in a way. You could see his creativity kind of kicking in and like what he's imagining a monster to be. And mm-hmm. then clearly sometimes his imagination ran out for the tertiary characters like Paul Dano's and he's just like, goat! Goat! I made a goat! goat. <laughs> Little owl creature. <laughs> yeah. Goat! Goat! <laughs> All yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, I apologize I for. Uh... I, just, I, just, I just want to point out. I don't know what prompted that, but I felt that surge in my soul. You you felt the goat come in. I felt you know the what I mean? presence of the goat. The goat yeah. is here, folks. That's all, that's all I can say. All right. Wow. Uh, Ben's like, please, for the love of all that's holy, stop talking about goats. I don't want to hear mentioning about goats. mentioning both a physical goat and the goat paul dano the mano <laughs> sorry um, uh the goat it was too much goatness it was too much goatness all right too much goatness i think we've come to a verdict on on that too much goatness yep. Yep. too much goat all right hey what time is it it's scoring I time yeah oh that's the time all right let's do it let's score this sucker i believe that's that's the phrasing that we use okay sure all right well if this is your first time listening uh we use a pretty simple scale here uh you can kind of think of it like an american grade scale it goes from one to 100 a 100 means that it is a perfect film it has no flaws uh the scale cannot be broken a one means that it is an irredeemable pile of turds so who would like to go first i'll go first all (laughs) righty I think this movie is fine. Um, I think as an adult, I appreciate it a lot more than I did as a child. Paul Dano, the Mano, uh, is always a is always quality ad- addition to any film that he's in. Is he going to affect um, your score? Yes, one hundred percent. He's going to affect my score. 
Um, there was also something else that was said during the podcast that affects my score, but I can't remember exactly what it is. So, um, so I will take. No, I, I think I, I think I may give this movie actually a seventy-six. Hmm. I think it's good. I think it's really good. Yeah, that's now about, watch uh, me. I was just going to say, now watch me uh, give a score that I think is good and then everyone else like really high. So I just. Oh, no, uh, that was actually right in the ballpark of what I was thinking. Um, I think this movie is good. Uh, I don't know that I would say it's really good, um, but I think it's good. I think uh, Max Records does a good job uh, in his role. I think it, if nothing else, it's interesting and I think it's worth watching. I will say I don't know that I would watch it again, which will knock some points off for me. Because of Mark uh, Ruffalo, isn't it? Yes, it's entirely because of Mark Ruffalo. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 73. Nice. Question. How many points did you take off because of the Ruffalo effect? <laughs> 27. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm completely joking. Perfect movie otherwise. <laughs> I'll go next. Um, literally if mark ruffalo had two more lines literally if mark ruffalo was the star of this movie it would have been he was the little kid he would have broken the scale yeah he would have broken the scale um all right well mark ruffalo aside sorry mark uh i i i enjoyed this movie a moderate amount um i would watch it again by myself alone in the dark um preferably so i could feel all my feelings at the at one time um, it's been a long time since you made that recommendation for a film and i'm very happy to hear th- it again this is a movie this is a movie i would recommend alone in the dark feel your feelings and watch it and remember what it was like to be a kid um i'm gonna give this an 84 I think uh, I think it was pretty good, and um, it was a pretty good movie. Mike, I think for home. me a lot. Um, I, I think for me a lot of my weighing is a little biased because this came out at a really seminal time in my life, and I didn't really talk about this too much in the in the main proper review section. But my childhood looked a good bit like this, and I think that that has an impact on how I view the film. Um, it's just easier for me to connect with Max, I guess, than um, somebody maybe not as similar as an experience. I could be wrong. He's a really connectable character. Point being, um, I think this movie does a really, really good job showing the emotions of childhood. I think there's some poignant moments. The, the end, I always tear up and then wonder why. It just hits in a certain way. Just him hugging his mom at the end just hits a certain way for me. Um so the only issue with this movie is I don't think it is quite as pinpoint effective at hitting the exact emotional beat it's going for as much as a movie like Swiss Army Man is. It doesn't quite nail the landing, but I think what it's going for is really unique. I think it's a very special film. Uh, for that, I'm going to give it a 90. Oh, nice. All righty. <clears throat> I expected it to be higher for you, Mike, actually. No, I mean, I could recognize that a lot of my love for it, not a lot, but a, a chunk of it is is nostalgia after having seen it again. But I still think it's a great movie. So 90 it is. Well, after plugging that into our patented scorometer. Uh, that gives us a final score of an 80.75. So that's a pretty good movie. It is a good movie. <laughs> it is a pretty good movie. Um, Yeah. So, Doug, Actually, we'll okay. next week. Well, hold on. I was just going to say something. Oh, I was just going to be nice. Apparently, Give I can't do anything tonight. I was just going to say, Mike, thanks for thanks for uh, recommending that we watch this movie. Because, like, I gave you a hard time. But, like, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, I'm, Mike. Yeah. I'm glad you all enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know what Elijah had such a problem with, honestly. Like, could he not get Now past? we'll never know. Yep. We will <laughs> never know. We will never know Elijah. Y'all, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, we make a rule. After we review a movie, we never discuss our opinions of it ever again. We have not actually talked about Star Wars since we ended Some Dirks Who Talk About Movies. 
not, what not is Star Wars? Wars? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> what, I forgot. What even it. is it? I've already seen it. I don't remember anymore. Hey, but Ben, that question that I cut you. Hey, but Ben, that question that I cut you off on. Oh no, it's too late. I'm going to answer now. We're watching Catch Me If You Can. Ha, Ben. Okay, uh, yeah, Catch Me If You Can. I'm very excited (laughs) for that. I'm very excited for that, y'all. Catch Me If You Can is so freaking good. Okay, can I ask one question? Yes. Who are we catching? We are catching him if you okay. can okay okay no, we're catching me if you're you very can. cool very cool thank you it's so fr- have y'all watched it <laughs> tristan have you watched no, it no i have no idea y'all, what it it's is so i don't know anything freaking good i don't know a dang it's thing well tune in next week so and you're gonna learn a whole lot more about it just like the rest of us a dang thing All you're right. gonna learn a dang thing if you listen I to us next so week Hey. Doug is giving us some freaky looking eyes right here. So I think right. this is a good time to say, be sure to keep up with us on social media at Viter Media. You can check out all the cool stuff we're doing. Uh, we've got new episodes of Tea with Doug G every Monday night at nine and new episodes of Setting the Skein weekly on Wednesdays. Uh, Doug, you're creeping me out, buddy. Dougie. Dougie. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about Catch Me If You Can. We can find find out why doug is making all of these weird faces in the camera uh, until next week i'm ben i'm doug i'm tristan and i'm michael and this has been setting the scheme y'all have a great week